We're going to be in John chapter 6, so I invite you to follow along with me as we read. I will pick it up in verse 1 as we look. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. And lifting up his eyes then and seeing the large crowd that were coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they for so many? And Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves. And when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments so that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with fragments from five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. And when the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, This is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Now when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. And the sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there. And Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but the disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum to seek, uh, seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. And they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work will you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, 
Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives his life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him on the last day. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this time we can be gathered together. Lord, we thank you for the truth of your word. We pray, Lord, that your word would accomplish its purpose in our lives. God, Isaiah 55 declares that the word is not, does not go forth in vain, but it accomplishes the purpose for which it was sent. So, Lord, I pray your word would accomplish its purpose in our lives. God, that we would have eyes to see and ears to hear, that we would desire to comprehend with all the saints what is the height, breadth, width, and depth of the love of God through Christ Jesus. Lord, be glorified in this place as we seek you, Lord. May we come to know you more fully, more completely, as we study this text together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as we look at the text we have before us, we're going to be focusing on John 6, 15 to 40. And as we do that, we're going to be seeing three things in particular we're going to have to tear them down a little bit more, so it'll take a couple weeks to get through it all. But we're going to be seeing the fifth sign. Remember the Gospel of John, not chronological. The Gospel of John is given to us, built around seven signs, seven discourses, seven I am statements. We have before us the fifth sign, Jesus walking on water. We have before us the fourth discourse, which is the discourse of the bread of life. And we have before us the first I am statement in the Gospel of John. So we're going to be looking at those things. Um, I'm, maybe I took too big a bite. We'll see. But, but uh, hopefully there's, there's an area of John chapter 6 that has always um, been a struggle for me. And uh, um, so I'm excited to delve into that a little bit deeper and uh, hopefully work those things out. So... As we look at the context of John chapter 6, we had the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus, recognizing that people want to make him king, withdraws to a mountain. The other gospels tell us that Jesus from that mountain could watch his disciples as when evening came, they entered into the boat and they went uh, on a journey across the lake to Capernaum. Now, as they're going across the lake to Capernaum, you'll notice that John's gospel focuses on the idea that the people recognized Jesus didn't get in the boat. And there was only one boat there. Jesus didn't get to the other side by taking a secret boat. He didn't have a secret plane. 
the text is going to describe to us how Jesus arrived at the other side. And the fifth sign that John says that points to him as the Son of God that you might believe and have faith in his name is the fact that Jesus walked on the water. Let's look at it together beginning in verse 15. So perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Now, there is a prominent mountain around the Sea of Galilee, if you've ever been there. There's one mountain that's higher than them all that really crests over the top of the Sea of Galilee. And this is the mountain, really without a doubt, that, that I believe that Jesus went to. From there, you can see the whole Sea of Galilee and the surrounding region. He went there to pray. Now when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. And it was dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. Now the other Gospels tell us that Jesus told his disciples to go to the other side. So they, in obedience to him, have got in the boat, and they're going across. The other Gospels tell us chronologically that Jesus had already calmed the storm. So Jesus had already had already woke him up once on the Sea of Galilee. And remember he said, peace be still. The wind and the waves obeyed his voice. The storm went away. This is the second time. And it shows progression in the hearts of the disciples. Because even though the, the, sea, the sea is storming, uh, we find them rowing in the storm. And the scripture tells us, right, in Mark, that Jesus is watching them. So he's watching them in the storm row against the storm. And they rowed for, the scripture tells us, right, uh, in verse 18, the sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing and they rowed about three or four miles. So they're getting close to their destination. But I'm sure the labor they've been putting in, they are nearing exhaustion. How many of us know that as the Lord watches us struggle in our storms, that he knows precisely the right moment to give us, to come appear before us, give us what's needed so that we might overcome. And this is the same thing that we see Jesus doing in the story. The scripture tells in verse 19, Then they saw Jesus walking on the sea, coming near the boat, and they were frightened. They were afraid. Now the other Gospels give us a little more insight. Remember, as John is telling us his story, his, his purpose is not the same. He wants you to believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and he wants a response from you. And so he's going to tell us this story in order for you to understand Jesus is the Son of God and to get a response from you. The other Gospels tell us that as, as they saw Jesus coming, they were afraid. And you remember Peter cries out to the Lord, if it's you, bid me come. And Jesus says, come. So Peter gets out of the boat, right? And he's walking on the water with the Lord and he, and he begins to focus on the storm and the waves and sink and he cries out, Lord, save me. And the Lord does so. But John's purpose in telling us this story is different. When we look at verse 20, it says that he said to them, it's I, don't be afraid. The same thing in all the Gospels. Jesus told the disciples, hey, it's me. Don't be afraid. Now, here's what John wants us to, to gravitate to in verse 21. And they were glad to take him into the boat. They saw Jesus walking on the water. A clear sign of divinity. Nobody has ever done it since. Nobody will ever do it. 
Jesus walked on the water. He showed himself to be the Christ, the Son of the living God. And now the response that he's looking for is, will you, are you happy to receive him into your boat? into your life, a part of what you're doing. So they were glad to take him into the boat. And so Jesus comes into the boat, and the Scripture says immediately they were at the shore. So they were laboring, laboring, laboring in the storm. They see Jesus. They recognize who he is. They're glad to receive him into the boat, and they arrive where they need to be. There's a lot wrapped up in that idea. And there's a lot wrapped up in the concept that we saw earlier, Jesus feeding the 5,000. Now we see Jesus showing his disciples that he is uh, God in the flesh. They receive him into the boat and they arrive where they're going. Don't you see that this story is, is ripe with symbolism that discusses the idea that if Jesus is in our life, we're going to get where we're trying to get to. Where are you trying to get to? Scripture would say the most important thing we can try to get to is trying to get to the Lord, to be with Him. And we do that through Jesus Christ. There's no other way. When Jesus is in the boat, we will arrive where we're going. Now, we're going to see that the people catch up with Him. Now, we're going to begin to enter into roughly in this next section, this next Paracope of Scripture, we're going <clears> to <throat> begin the discourse of the bread of life. And, and all of these fit together. John didn't put these signs haphazardly together with discourses. There was a purpose behind it all. And I hope you'll be able to see the purpose for John uh, and the discourse that Jesus has with the people. It says, the next day the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there, and Jesus had not entered the boat. So the people, they're waiting to see where Jesus is. And as soon as they see him, they're, they're going to be with him. They want to be where he is. But the disciples they saw come, get in a boat, go to the other side. Jesus wasn't with them. They didn't care about being with the disciples. They want to be with Jesus. They want to make him king. He fed them. And so they, they see this, they recognize it, but then other boats from Tiberias come near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So the crowd begins to think, well, maybe he got over there on another boat, we don't know, but he's not here. So let's go over there where the disciples went and see if he's there. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? They want to know, how'd you get here? We were watching for you. Now, Jesus never answers that question. For Jesus, it's always more important to understand the heart condition of the one who stands before him. And so there are things that Jesus is going to discuss with these people. He says to them, truly, truly, I say to you, you're seeking me, but not because you saw the signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. You're seeking me for what I can do for you in this temporal world. 
You're seeking me for what I can give to you, for what I can provide to you. There are a lot of people in certain movements within the church, the name it and claim it group, that that to me really align with the people that were fed the 5,000. They, they want what the good things God can give. But in Hosea, the Lord says to his people what he wants from them is a faithful follower and someone who wants to know him. Now these people, they're not pursuing the Lord because they want to know him. They are pursuing the Lord for what they can get from him. So Jesus, he says to them, look, this is why you're seeking me. This is the reason. Just like the woman who was at the well, we're going to see some parallels between the woman at the well and this group as well. Now listen to what Jesus tells them. He doesn't just leave them with that statement. In verse 27, he says, so do not work for food that perishes. Do not labor for that which does not satisfy. Don't spend all your energy building barns and bigger barns and bigger barns and bigger barns, and let that be your primary focus in life. Because if it is, you've built your house upon the sand. Scripture would declare to us in Isaiah 55, the Lord says, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, he who has no money. So we don't have, a, we don't have the ability to purchase what God has for us. He who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money, without price. And then he asks the question, why do you spend your money on that which is not bread? On that which will not sustain you. He says, why do you labor for that which does not satisfy? There's no satisfaction in the things that are being pursued. So he says, listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and Come to me. How many times does Jesus say that? Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Lady Wisdom in the book of Proverbs calls to the people on the highways and the byways, and she says, come to me. The road is narrow that leads to life. It's broad that leads to destruction. Follow me the lord come to me and hear that your soul may live and i will make with you an everlasting covenant the sure mercies my steadfast sure love for david so it's a promise of god not not to be laboring for that which does not satisfy but rather and here jesus in john 6 27 saying the same thing do not work for the food that perishes but for food that endures to eternal life now, when Jesus spoke to the woman at the well, he said the same thing. She's, she's going to say that, give the same response that they give. Well, give us this food always. Give me this water always so that I never have to gather water again. So that I never have to worry about where my food will come from again. So Jesus is laying this out. He says, This is what the Son of Man will give you. And remember, the Son of Man is a clear declaration of divinity. The Son of Man in Daniel chapter 7 was a picture of the Son of God sitting on the Father's throne until the Father made his enemies his footstool. That was clear. 
especially to the Jews, who the Son of Man was. And so he's saying, look, the Son of Man's going to give this to you. This is the one. On him, God the Father has set his seal. Set his seal. The, the, the Father has declared, this is my beloved Son. Listen to him. This was the declaration that God had given. So then they ask him. Now listen, they're misunderstanding and they're struggling with the idea. Jesus says, don't labor for food that perishes. <clears throat> and so they focus on the labor. Well then, what must we do to be doing the works of God? They say, what do we have to do? What must I do? And man's been asking this question forever. What do I got to do? And honestly, most people in the church still think that their good deeds outweigh their bad deeds, and that's how they enter into being a pleasing relationship with the Lord. If I, if I make it to church more times than I miss it, somehow I'm pleasing God. But that's not what the Scripture declares. They ask him, what must we do to do the works of God. How will we please God? Hebrews says, without faith, it is impossible to please the Lord. It is impossible to please God without faith. These people are wanting to know what to do. Jesus answers them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he, the Father, has sent. That you believe in him whom the Father has sent. Now this is the purpose for which Jesus has come. Now we need to understand several things as we kind of dig down. I need you to, 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 to try to pay attention and understand what we're talking about. As we tap down into what the Word is declaring, <clears throat> we need to understand the purpose for which Christ came was to die on the cross, to provide the work of atonement. That the blood of Christ is sufficient to pay the price for all sin. But it is only efficacious. It is only efficient in those to whom it is applied. There's not a universal atonement. Meaning Jesus died and everybody's sins was forgiven. And so everybody's saved no matter what they do. Because scripture declares you must believe. You must Believe. Believe on him whom the Father has sent. Now the people immediately are going are gonna to move into a state of comparing because they were taught that the Messiah, the Mashiach Nagid, the, the Messiah, the Prince, the one who was to come, the prophet that they had declared him to be earlier in the, in the chapter, that Messiah was going to be like Moses. Like Moses delivered the people from Egypt, the Messiah is going to deliver the people. Now they think the Messiah is going to deliver the people from Rome and everything's temporal and it's all about the world and, and what we have in this world. But Jesus, the Messiah, has come to deliver the people from Egypt, which is the world, the hold, the grip that the earth has on mankind, sin. Jesus came to deliver man from the bondage to sin. So they're going to make comparisons with Moses. I want you to see it. So Jesus said, you have to believe. Look in verse 30. So they said to him, then what sign do you do? 
Doesn't this just make you want to ask a question? Where were you just yesterday? Out on the out on the hillside when you were fed. Remember one little boy's small lunch? They were fed by a miracle that Jesus did, but they're asking for another sign. And there's a reason why. I want you to see it. They're still thinking with their guts. There's a reason. That, what sign do you do that we may believe? What work will you perform? They want proof. And here's the proof they want. Our fathers ate manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Listen to what they're asking from Jesus. They're going to pointing to Moses, and they're saying, Moses, our Redeemer who brought us out of Egypt, fed us for 40 years. He provided bread for us for 40 years. You gave us bread yesterday. Are you a Redeemer like Moses? <clears throat> our, are you our sustenance? But they're thinking physically. They're thinking about the physical world and the physical struggles, and they don't care about the spiritual. They are like Esau, focused on a bowl of bean soup rather than on the value of his birthright. And so they're saying, can you be like him? Then Jesus said to them, listen, Jesus said to them, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven. Moses didn't give you nothing. He says, it was my father. And then he puts in this phrase, it was my father who gives you true or genuine bread from heaven. It's my father who gave you bread in the wilderness, which was a type, a picture of the true, genuine bread that the father would provide as well. The genuine bread is the gift from the father, and it is a gift that gives everlasting life. Listen to what he says. For this, the bread of God, is he. It's a person. The bread of God is a person. The one who can sustain you and uphold you is a person. The bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Gives zoe. There's two words in the Greek for life. And, 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 and when you look at them, it's bios and zoe. And bios is just like life. It's just life. It's, it's alive. But zoe is like um, living. I mean, you can have life and not be living. You can have life and not, not have a life that is uh, real and attainable and it's it, uh, something that can be enjoyed. Jesus said it like this, I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. That abundant life, Zoe. He says, this is the one who comes down from heaven to give Zoe a purpose, meaning in life. All of these ideas can be wrapped up in the concept he comes to give life to the world. Now in John chapter 6, 
which is a long chapter, guys. We're not going to get through the whole chapter, obviously. Jesus is going to say over and over and over again that the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven. John 6.33, John 6.38, I have come down from heaven. John 6.41, I am the bread that came down from heaven. John 6.42, I have come down from heaven. John 6.50, this is the bread that comes down from heaven. Uh, John 6.51, I am the living bread that come down from heaven. Over and over and over again, he wants them to understand it. It, it blows my mind that people say, why didn't Jesus ever clearly tell us who he was? Are you kidding me? Man, he's, he's declaring this openly that they might understand that he is the one who comes down from heaven. The son of God and the son of man. The one who, when Abram was taking his son in Genesis 22 to a, <clears throat> to a, a, a place that God said, I'm gonna, I want you to go to a place that I will show you, and there I want you to offer your son as a burnt offering unto me. And so Abram, Abraham is taking his son. Uh, he's taking Isaac. Isaac's carrying the wood on his back. Isaac looks at his dad, and he says to his father, we have the, the wood. I, I got it on my back, and we have the fire, but, but where is the sacrifice? And Abraham says to his son, Yahweh Yireh. The Lord will provide for himself a lamb. And in John chapter 1, what is it that John the Baptist declared to the people? Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. The bread from heaven that has come down that will sustain, that provides real life, not just being alive. And so we look at this, he's, he's laying this out. And so they respond in verse 34, in the exact same way that the woman at the well. Sir, give us this bread always. But they're thinking about bread. They're thinking physical and not spiritual. So often that's where our focus is. What do I have physically? I'm uncomfortably, I'm uncomfortable physically. But we don't think of our state before a holy God where we are separated from God in sin. Give us this bread always. So Jesus said to them, here's your first I am statement. I am the bread of life. You want that bread? It's me. I am that which sustains you. I am that which delivers you to real life. I am that which is here to be the things that you need. Listen to what he says. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will not hunger. Whoever believes in me will never thirst. And you have this idea of come and believe linked together in the sentence to come to Jesus is to believe. To come to him is to believe. Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you Rest. Put your trust in me. Believe in me. Whoever believes in me will never thirst. But I say to you, you see me, but do not believe. You see me, but you do not believe. He's declaring that it is possible to know about Jesus and not believe in Jesus. 
to know about him. You see him, but you don't believe. It's important that we understand. We're going to look, and this is, this is a difficult section. We'll touch on it a, a little bit more next week, hopefully when I'm back with you. But we need to understand, one, we do not, you and I, we do not initiate faith. God does that. We're going to see that in a moment. God is the one who initiates. However, the scripture declares over and over again that a lack of faith is our responsibility. But we need to understand how can this be? How can how can these things work together? Look what Jesus says in John 6:37. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. And here are the questions that we need to ask. Who are those given by the Father to the Son? Some would say God just randomly chose people throughout time, and he he selected them, and those are the ones the Father gave the Son. We want to discuss who are the ones the Father gave to the Son. The second thing we want to know is how are they given How did God give them to the Son? We want to understand these things, and we want to understand them biblically. So to do that, we're going to take a step back. We're going to look at John chapter 5, 37 to 47, which was just a chapter earlier in the same gospel, and we're going to see how Jesus discusses this same idea that he's facing in John chapter 6. In verse 37, it says, And the Father who has sent me has himself borne witness about me. But his voice you have never heard, his form you have never seen. And you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one in whom he has sent. I want you to hear this. You do not have his word abiding in you. Jesus makes a statement. You do not have the word of God abiding in you because, for, you do not believe in the one whom he sent. That's going to be important. You search the scriptures because you think in them you have eternal life, but it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me. Same language. You refuse to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive glory from people, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. I have come in my Father's name, and you did not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. Listen to the question, verse 44. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another, but do not seek the glory that comes only or from the only God? Do not think that I accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, on whom you have set your hope. Where was their hope? On Moses. Now listen. Listen, verse 46. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me. For he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? These people in John chapter 5, they know Jesus, but they do not believe. Why? Well, because they seek the glory of men, and not God. 
They hope in Moses and not in the Christ. And finally, they do not believe the words of Moses. Because if they believed the words of Moses, Jesus said, you would believe me. If you believe the words of Moses, you would believe me. So when we look at John 6:37, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. And we ask the question, who are those given by the Father to the Son? We would say, they are those that see and believe. They see and believe. How? They have received and believed what Moses had written. They are those who have responded to the gracious revelation given by the Father. The Father has given revelation. He has revealed through His Word. And those who receive that Word respond and more revelation is given. And they respond and more revelation is given. It is these that are given by the Father to the Son. They are given. These are the ones given. Those who respond to the light the Father has provided. What does the Scripture declare? Faith is not of, of us. Faith is of God. Where do we receive that faith? Faith comes by hearing. And hearing what? The Word of God. If we receive the Word of God, we receive light, God gives us more light. We receive light, God gives us more light. And we can see Jesus for who He is. Then we respond. If you believed Moses, you would believe me. There is this responding. How are they given? We have to understand. The Bible is absolutely clear. It is all God's initiative. None of us pursue Him. He pursued us. It is God's initiative. God moved first. It is our responsibility to respond or yield to God's first approaches of grace, which is his word. And when we respond to God's word, he grants more truth regarding his son. All that the father has given me will come to me. Who has the father given? All those who will respond to the word God has given us. We respond to God's word. If you had believed Moses, you would believe me. But you don't. You don't believe what Moses said. You don't believe what he has declared. Listen, for I come down from heaven, John 6, 38, I come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but I will raise it up on the last day. We're going to see that phrase repeated over and over again during this discourse. Well, what is God? What is the Father's will? Verse 40, this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes. Everyone who looks on Son, two parts, everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life, and I will raise Him up on the last day. 
Now, these things we've been talking about, I understand maybe they're hard to lay our fingers into, and I'm not going to go past uh, uh, John 640, but I want to give you John 645 because this is important, and it ties into what I'm talking about when I say that when we respond to the light given through the Word of God by the prophets and by Moses, in obedience to God's Word, God gives us more light. Those are the ones whom God the Father has given to the Son. those who respond in faith to the word of God, that God has provided that. That is the means through which God softens the heart, through the acceptance of his word. Listen to what he says in John six forty-five. It is written in the prophets. They will all be taught by God. Who is the all? They will all. All, all is going to be uh, signified. Who is the all that will be taught by God? Listen, Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father will come to me. Everyone who has heard the word of God, learned from the Father. How do we do that? Through the voice of the prophets, through the voice of Moses, through the scriptures. Those who have learned and heard from the Father do what? Come to me, and all that the Father has given me will come to me, and I will raise him up on the last day. This is about the middle of the discourse, and we have a lot more things that we want to unpack that I want to be able to, to show you, and I look forward to being with you to do that next week. We're going to just take this opportunity, once you stand with me, and let's pray together, and let's... Uh, Let's just ask God that we would understand. Look, you need to know this is vital. This is so important that you know that you don't just know Jesus, but that you believe. Because it's possible to know him. I see him, but I don't believe in him. And the road, the path we take to faith comes through the word of God. There's not a work you and I do. We don't do this work by we just go to church and, and God gives us a pass or we work in Sunday school or we feed the poor. It's not a work we do that's going to achieve that. It's learning and hearing from the Father who spoke to us through men of old, the prophets, Moses, the apostles, this is the method through which we are given and all that are given will come and all who come, he will receive. Let's pray. Father God, we lift this time to you. We thank you for the opportunity to study your word, Lord. We thank you for the opportunity to dig out a shovel and start turning over the discourses laid out for us in the gospel of John. Lord, I pray, God, that each and every one that is here this morning has an opportunity to examine himself and know that he is in the faith. He doesn't just know about Jesus, but we believe. We are not among those who call him Lord, which he will declare, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things that I say? I'm not your Lord. But we are those who through hearing 
and learning from that provided by the Father through the Word of God. Jesus said, you search the Scriptures daily in John chapter 5 because you think that it is these that will give you life, but it is these that speak of me. If you search the Scriptures daily, you'll find me. You'll know me. You'll believe because you believe the words that Moses gave you. God, may every man, woman, and child know you. Be faithful follower of Jesus Christ with a, de a desire to know you. These are the things that you are looking for. The day will come when all who worship the Lord will worship him in spirit and in truth. May that be who we are today. We'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.